Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. John Valeca makes New Haven tick. He did that as a former assistant chief of the police department. He does it as sergeant at arms for the Connecticut State Senate. And as our resident policing and criminal justice expert at WNHHFM. He's here in the WNH studio along with Heavy D, Donald Trump supporter, <laughs> Harry Drost, our station manager. Heavy D. To help us tease through some of the latest criminal justice news in our community and a special thanks to Yale Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. John Valeca, welcome. It's always nice to be here, Paul. Good to and see you. And thank you for making time, man. No, come on. I have nothing but time now. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, how you doing, Harry? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, um, so, what did you think about last night, guys? So, John, you have a job at the state senate, right? Where you are the sergeant at arms. So you make sure nobody kills each other. That's right. Yeah. Now, a for, another former assistant chief, Thad Reddish, has a job as the head of security for the New Haven school system. Right. And he was there along with cops last night because they were expecting it to be a wild board ed meeting because they were picking right. a new superintendent and 500 people showed up to yell and stop them from voting because it was already out as reported by the independent we found out the majority of the board was going to pick one of three finalists who had fared very badly in these public review processes they decided to make this like a political campaign rather than just have the board of ed and the mayor pick a superintendent right they decided hey we want the public involved hey kids you spent a few hours asking a question hey parents you come at night you ask some questions so they did that and it was like it was overwhelming i've never seen right. such a clear um, without my taking sides on anybody because I really don't have a dog in the fight. I've never seen such a clear expression of the popular will before. We actually had significant numbers. You had over 1,000 parents sign a petition. You had over 1,000 students sign a petition saying we want anyone but this one person, Carol Burks. You had a, a true vote in the independent where usually 100 to 200 people vote. Um, over, well over 1,000 people voted. Right. And it was clear everywhere that we want anyone but her. Right. And the Board of Ed said, well, we did our interviews. We looked more closely. We're the experts. We picked the person we think is better. We're picking her. So it was two hours of shouting. When they tried to vote, they were shouting them down. The police were there trying to keep things cool. There was heckling. There was, at one point, one board member threatened the other with a lawsuit. And then the other board member invited him to a duel on Bowen Field. <laughs> These are grown men in right, appointed right, and elect, actually elected right. office as yep. Board of Ed members. Now, you just went through a wild session at the state Senate. Very it much. It took right. an extra 100 days and more yeah, to pass a budget, pass yeah. legal deadline. Almost 200. Nerves were raw. Mm -hmm. So much more was at stake. Even the Board of Ed is very important. You're talking about a, a, a $20 billion a year state budget. Right. Was it anything like that? Did you have to do what Thad Reddish had to do last night? Well, no. I mean, you know, everybody has their own opinions, and and they're very passionate about their own opinions. But they're expressed in a in a uh, in a respectful way for the people, you know, for the chamber itself and for the people around. Um, you know, they they certainly we wouldn't stand for any kind of shouting back and forth. But I don't think the senators would do that either. And they're very respectful of one another. Have you ever seen another another senator um, threaten to us to sue another one during it, or threaten to ask him to go have a duel? No, nothing like that ever occurs out on the floor in the caucus rooms. It gets a little, uh, a little hectic. But uh, you know, I'm not in the caucus room, so to speak. I can just hear what goes on in there, and sometimes. And are you still on duty when that happens? Uh, I am, but I'm not. I'm not for the caucus room. Is is uh, if something were to happen in the caucus room, it would be the Capitol Police. Now you told me also that in the past this year that you also have to keep track of who's coming in. 
right. lobbyists and activists. Because, right. I mean, you've seen other state legislators where people, I'm not sure if this is good or bad, they right. do this actually at the U.S. Congress at the hearings and the Senate. People will come in and stand up and briefly um, yell out something, hold up banners, and they get right. escorted out. Anything yeah. like that happen? No, actually, in the in the public galleries, is is very docile itself. Once in a while, people will, uh, you know, when they're voting on the the uh, union contracts, it was a pretty full gallery, and people, um, you know, there there were people speaking, you know, up there, but nothing to the point where they were shouting down at a, at a senator in specific to to vote a certain way. But. All right. So, what do you think when you saw last night? Did they handle? Oh, it I right? think it's terrible. I, oh, did did the police handle it right? I think that has got an, uh, he's got a tough tough job in that position because in these positions, you can't really draw that line and disorderly conduct and breach a piece so hard that you would, uh, you know, say on a public street and people are yelling back and forth. Because you want to make sure you're protecting the right to protest well, people, of speech. Well, people have a protect, you know, people have a right to redress their government officials, their elected officials, and they get to do that, uh, and you know, in a certain way. And, and listen... Just because they yell back and forth, we've there's been cases around the country where you know at, at town council meetings or at mayoral meetings or at um, you know zoning meetings where people have gotten you know they've raised their decibel level, they yell back and forth, and that's and they've been arrested and they've they've lost those cases because they have the right to do that. So, but you know, challenging people to a to a duel or whatever it was over that's that's a little too much. Now that but, was a board member, and the police did get involved to break them apart. The meeting was breaking up, yeah, and they pulled them apart. And it's very funny. Once you start threats of violence and things like that, then all you know, everything kind of goes out the window. Would you have point. arrested the um, the board of ed member Ed Joyner who did that? I think that you know, what's an arrest going to what's the arrest going to prove? What, what you know, like we say all the time about making an arrest. What's your what's your end? Game? You want to have a duel on Bowen Field? Could he reasonably argue I was being metaphorical? Of course. Well, yeah, of course. And then, no, I wouldn't make an arrest. If that's what you're asking me, I would have squirted him out until cooler heads prevail. And, and that's all you're really trying to do is stop what's going on in there. And that could be achieved by just escorting the person out, taking a few well, minutes. Well, they were and having an themselves. official meeting, although it did break up. They did adjourn. What if the meeting right. were still going on? No, no, I don't think. My personally, I would not. I no, mean, what, would what you have think? grounds to? Maybe. The chances are good you would probably lose that in court. But uh, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't think about the court decision. So do you, are you kind of saying that when the First Amendment's involved, maybe cops shouldn't just arrest people just because they can? I, right. I think that, like, we talk about discretion all the time with the police officers. I think the police officers have to go into every situation, whatever situation that may be, and determine what they're looking for in the end game. What are they trying to do? Right, and to, to try to use the the least amount of force, whether that's what physical force what if or whether angry that's threat of like a reporter or an activist, should they act out of anger to arrest? No, they, the police should never act out of anger. Okay, I'm actually leading down a road. I'm not going to. I know Harry, where you're, I know what, where you're going, you but we agree night, on Harry. that though. What did you think last night, Harry? Is John Valeca right, or should the cops have stormed in and hauled away Ed Joyner while he's yelling and lift him in the air and handcuffs um, and throw him in the stocks? Geez, I, I think if once it becomes a a threat, the police should. Step in, especially when well they stepped in the meeting adjourned you're saying and they a metaphor separate the people a metaphor is in let's go to a park <coughs> and fight you know so that's a, a well, specific the, threat remember the city chief administrative officer was being he says provoked by a union vice president who said let's take this outside he said i didn't mean we were going to fight the union vice president wanted the police to arrest the chief administrative officer to whom the police report the police did not end up making an arrest. Should they have arrested in that case? Should well, they have arrested duel, last night? When you when you're challenging somebody to a duel, that's that's not. Let's go outside and. But we and, don't really have but, swords anymore, or old or, fashioned guns. You or, know, <laughs> six shooters where they. Get. So you actually think they should have arrested Ed Joyner last night? <laughs> no, no, no. Why not? That's if not what, what I'm you're saying. saying. You're saying but it's I a threat think of violence. that the police should have pulled them aside. They did. 
and and spoke with him and made it clear that those are threats how about, how that about he can be arrested disrupting for. the meeting like they were voting and they were yelling out for shame and the guy was yelling back that's, at them. that's different that's that's um the board actually um controlling that meeting well, you when know the board is fighting themselves right when the board is fighting themselves you can't well, John, there also is another balance in addition to what your goal is when you have 500 people there feeling passionate you do you sometimes make a decision if I intervene now, that will cause more. That's exactly fear, right. That's but exactly if I right. don't intervene now, it's going to escalate. Well, that's what the police are trained to to that's determine. That's a tough training, right. and they had that with the white boy, proud boy rally right. a few months ago, where you have to kind of make that decision: is Look, it going to escalate? And then you could either way you do it, you're going to be criticized because it's important not to escalate, let it escalate, and also important not to have the police be the escalator. That's a tough decision. Listen, arresting somebody, anybody, is never a good thing. Do you understand? It's never a good thing. Sometimes it's a necessary thing because you're trying to deal with the situation at hand and you're trying to meet the outcome that you've put in your head where you want this to go. But it's never a good thing. So if you can avoid it, right, and try and deal with things at the lowest level, I think everybody benefits from that. But this is an age-old, you know, when I saw this, you know, late last night when I was reading your article, this is an age-old problem in our city in some pockets of our community and we've been speaking about this for for years in the police department and it's simply this when somebody when, does something that you don't agree with right the answer to that is not to lash out all right we're teaching our kids this and some of these kids are lashing out have been over the years with guns this is what this is what we always talk about when we say conflict resolution needs to be in our schools because our parents are showing the kids you can't talk about in one vein, in one breath, you're saying, listen, I'm out here to protest because I care about my kid and I care about their, and then show a, a terrible example. Right. So last night you had two grown men who used to be allies in the board of ed and now are fighting with each other. One of whom starts. That's where the, that's where you should say for shame. One of them is, is videotaping the other saying, I'm going to sue you. Then the other one said, let's go take it outside and have a duel. They should be ashamed of themselves for saying that with kids watching kids know in the vol- involved in this. This is not the way you handle with problems, and that has to be reinforced with our kids. And let's, if we're not, we're going back to 2011 eventually because these kids see that, and it may be— What was 2011? 2011 was a bad year where we had all the homicides and all the shootings, right? All the violence in the street. Nobody couldn't understand how that happens, right? How does that happen? It happens because our, our adults lash out with words and threats and lawsuits. Our kids lash out with physical violence and guns, and you're—that's a— very bad precedent to set, okay? And you can't wrap everything in you're okay and you're right because it's my First Amendment and I'm worried about my kid. It doesn't work that way. You know, so what they did was the wrong. Consequences? They, well, listen, you get to the point here, what should be the consequences? I don't know. What should be the, I mean, don't you as a parent? But you're very clear it shouldn't be police legal consequences. You think the police handled it right. They broke it up as the meeting right. broke up, but they didn't make any arrests. Right. I, I think that, listen... When you start to talk about you're threatening people, very clear threats of violence, and, and, and that's coupled with you know somebody who, who has obviously lost control of themselves, different story. You make an arrest, you got to get that person out of there. But I think Thad, does, he knows. He, he knows enough. He's seen this over the years. The right thing is to pull this person out because they're obviously— So please did it right. Harry, what should be the consequences to the problem that John identified with last night's? I don't know. I, I would say breach of peace. So you'd actually make an arrest. But 
See, I don't think an arrest solves that. I uh, think, I yeah, think, but he he would know more because I don't know if that escalates. And then, how does it work? There's something that, called school resource officers, which is sworn New Haven police officers who work in schools. Right. You also have school security, right? Which is separate. They don't have power arrests, if I'm correct. They don't, right? So the head of security, Thad Red, is the retired assistant chief. Is he over the school resource officers too? He's not. No, the new the resource officers are sworn officers, active officers. They report to a a sergeant and a lieutenant within the police department. Okay. But I mean. The, the reality of this situation is Thad is an assist. Is this is why you put a a guy like Thad in that job? He's a retired assistant chief. He could probably still command the respect of the SROs to get them to do what he needs them to do. Right? SROs being school resource but officers. Here, right. So, but at the end of the day, should there be consequences? I don't know. I don't know if there should be. I don't know what consequences you could levy. To be quite honest with you, but what I could tell you is this: somebody should be in the schools today saying, "Look, you're going to hear all about this all over the media. It's going to be all you're going to know about this." Somebody should get to these kids and explain what happened last night was not the way to handle a problem. It's not to act like that. And who should make that explanation? I think that if, you know what, if I were Dr. Burks, and I don't know Dr. Burks from a hole in the wall, that might be my first move. My very first move as the newly sworn superintendent is to request take, that. I don't know if she's going to take the job. She well, hasn't yet responded to. Oh, so uh, then, who's in who's in there now? Doctor Mayo. No, they, yeah, Doctor Mayo. See, so Doctor Mayo, who's really, to be quite honest with you, he's done this over the years. Somebody should talk to these kids and say, "Listen, this is not the way." To well, how about handle the two people? The problem. What about Darnell Goldson and and? I don't know. Joyner, I, I mean, what should, consequences? Should, what are they, they going to do? Should they step forward and tell the kids we got out of hand last night? I, I think that they should do something to 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 I address mean, the two involved. What, Right, I think they should do something to address their actions because if it, if it's left to fester, it's going to look as if they're okay with what they did, so which they the can't advice. be. Ed Joyner and Darnell Goldson, what should they do now? Like I said, I don't know. They should they should come first. They should come uh, out and 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 really just to, and say, listen, what I did last I night. I think wasn't they right. should come on WNHH radio and hash it out here, right? As yeah, like a great adults, idea. like adults, yeah, that's a good idea. But they should definitely, you know, confront that word dual. Because if you go and look at the history of that word, that's a violent word, right? It, de- it leads to death. So somebody should say something. And what we should say, It right, got out of hand. And what somebody should say is that you're listening to Dateline New Haven on WNHH Radio, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We're talking with WNHH policing expert John Valeca and... Donald G. Javote, Harry Droz, our station manager today, <laughs> about criminal justice issues in New Haven, such as this. So you were an assistant chief. Right. And a chief was picked over you to be the chief. Right. And you didn't get along with him. Right. Did you sue New Haven? No. Okay. There was another guy, assistant chief now, named Luis Casanova. He wanted to be the chief. Right. Someone got picked over him, Anthony Campbell. He has now filed a lawsuit. In his lawsuit, he says it's because he spoke out against racism in an incident involving removing a Latino right. East Shore top yeah. cop. What's your reaction to his lawsuit? Well, I, I think, you know... He said he was discriminated against in hiring. He's Latino, yeah. an African-American chief was hired. Yeah, he's going to have to... Yeah, I mean, he's got, a long, he's got a long road ahead of him, to be quite honest with you. Uh, for one, we could say this. This is the first time I'm seeing with Mayor Harp in office um, that people actually believe that... Like, public input is much different than ceding authority to the public to make these decisions... The mayor makes these decisions, period. That's how that goes. The chief, the fire chief, you know, there's a vote for the, you know, the superintendent. But listen, we just overwhelmingly elected this woman mayor, right? We've given her the authority to make these decisions. You got to let her make these decisions, right? And at the end of the day, 
I'll say what I said when I very first came on this show, what, a year and a half, two years ago, whatever it was, when you spoke about my issues in, in New Hampshire and, and why I left. The reality is this. If you're at the top of the organization, the organization and its efficiency and the members have to be your priority. And at the top, conflict at the top affects them more than it affects you. You could go home with it with a clear mind and, you know, you know what you're doing to, to you know, to, to I don't want to say get back, but to, to you know, further your... Uh, your intentions. But the baseline officers have to deal with this every day, the public's perception of it. And when the public perceives it a certain way, the officers who are coming to your house every day deal with that. And that's what I said when I talked about Esserman, I talked about myself. When it starts to affect the agency, if you're a true leader, you have to step away. You have to just go. And that's it. And, and I'm not telling Luke Casanova to go. Right to sue. So Luke Casanova is believing, one thing he says in the lawsuit, the process to pick a superintendent is sham. It was never really a public process. A, is that the basis for a legal argument? And B, if you're the assistant chief, should you abide by the decision that the mayor makes since you the should, mayor's in charge? Listen, we didn't vote for Donald Trump, right? But he is our president. And that's the end of the day. He is our president. He's the president of the United States. And we accept that. And we live our lives every day with respect for that office. At the end of the day, that's what has to happen. Not now, should. Now, he does. He is going to get, what, like a $100,000 pension to retire in 90? I don't, you know, I don't know what his pension would be. But assistant chiefs that retire previously is using the ninety to 110000 in the area. No, mine's not ninety to 110000 Larry uh, Melendez was one hundred ten. Well, don't forget that he benefited from the clause that's uh, no longer there. So the one was could, yours? Mine was, it was 73. Okay, so let's say Casanova gets 73. Yeah. Although I think he has more years than you, maybe not. No, uh, he doesn't have more. He's got the same amount of time. The problem is that he'll get to use a base pay. That was higher. Mine wasn't as high as So he'll high get more than like 73. That. He'll probably get more than 73. So he'll have health insurance for life more than 73, what's he in his 40s, early 50s. Right. Should he also get a lawsuit to collect more money from the taxpayers? Well, you know, I don't, you know, don't want to comment on that. I think that if Louis, if Louis can prove that he was, he was legitimately done wrong and, uh, you know, and the court sides with that, and then he should get what the court allows. If it's but, a sham process and the mayor really just wanted to pick whoever she wanted they, for know, chief, is that a legal basis to give someone no. who didn't get it a, listen, a payout? She doesn't need to have a process. She doesn't so need to have a process. Harry, What's the I'm difference? Like you to weigh in. I usually don't like liberals filing these kind of lawsuits. How do you feel about this? Well, I agree with John when he says this shouldn't be a process because the mayor should just make the decision. I think she stepped in it by making it a process, right? And it, it probably was a sham process, so he probably has some standing there. There's legal standing that it, that she, he, she's just saying because, I want to Just because there was a process, right? But there and wasn't the, a legal process. She said, I want to hear from everybody, but it still remained that she gets right, to make the decision. But, so if someone say you didn't really hear from people as much as you wanted, so therefore I have a legal basis to it. He has asked a federal judge to order New Haven to make him the chief of police. Which, which will, yeah, quite frankly, never, never happen. Well, that's not going to happen, but... The thing is, is that we we live in a world of everybody's a victim. Let's use identity politics. Now, let me make it. But you love that. I've heard you complain that more Latinos should be hired. Well, well, I don't think that the mayor made this decision based on race. I, I think she made the decision based on who she wanted. Right. But I understand the the reason that he's suing and all of that because like i said we live in this society where you feel wronged and then you everybody gets a lawsuit everybody gets a a lawsuit and and everybody gets to hide behind their identity 
because of the identity politics. I have to say that, by the way, I personally believe that Luke Casanova is telling the truth, as the Commission on Human Rights and Opportunities said, that a, 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 a top cop on the East Shore was transferred because he was Latino. And I believe Luke Casanova thought that was a bad idea. So he's saying partly this is racial, but there's no evidence that I've seen that that's why he didn't become the chief. That's, that mean, was done under a previous chief. Right. And, and the other, in here, look, I hear the, you know, it's a sham process, it's a sham process. I've heard that a hundred times. But at the end of the day, it's not a sham process if the mayor who selects the chief of police has an idea of what she's looking for in a chief, and it's this other guy, right, who, who presents more qualities that she's looking for, right, than, than the other guy. She gets to make that. I don't know how you could call it a sham process. Was it a sham process because she had an idea of who she was going to Maybe. But well, what's wrong with having a process to say, listen, maybe I overlooked something. Let everybody come out and answer these questions. Hmm. So my favorite part of the lawsuit was a story that's written in. I have no idea if it's true or not, but it's a fair lawsuit, so it's libel proof. Luke Casanova claims in this lawsuit that he had the following conversation with Chief Administrative Officer Michael Carter of the city, who's over the police department. Right, I read that. About, because um, uh, Casanova was mad that he was getting disciplined, like a one-day suspension for refusing to let a guy he called an effing mope have a union person president while, present while he was talking to him. Here's what he said Carter told him. A little bird refused to join the flock which was flying south of the winter. It refused to listen to its parents and elders, thinking that it could tough it out. Winter came, and it was so cold that the bird froze and fell to the ground covered with snow. A cow came by and dropped some dung on the bird. The pile of dung warmed the bird and brought it back to life. It lay there all warm and happy, and Sue began to sing for joy. A passing cat heard the bird singing, took the bird out of the pile of cow dung, and ate it. Put a lot of metaphors in there. <laughs> According to the complaint, Carter then offered a moral to the story. When you're in deep SH blank blank, it's best to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Thoughts, reactions? Is that the way life works? Could Carter have said that if he did say it? I don't Is know. Is that I'm the not, basis for a lawsuit to get a federal judge I to order? I'm not sure if he, he should have behavior. said that. I mean, I'm. Yeah, that's. You know, he should have kept his mouth shut. Yeah, yeah, he should have kept his mouth shut. But, um. <sighs> I don't know if that's a basis for anything, to be quite yeah, honest with you. But. I don't think. Sometimes I feel like lawsuits are revenge. You didn't get the job you wanted. So, Look, I mean, this happened so much in the last let, mayoral let's, campaign. Let's be honest. Everything's a revenge in a lawsuit where I'm going like, to get you back because you let's didn't talk about you wanted. This. Let's talk about this situation in specific. New chief comes in, assistant chief's there, that the new chief would, not that he doesn't want him, but would rather install somebody else, right? Now, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of this executive cleansing. When a new chief comes in, they pick all their, their, their guys, unless there's a reason for it, right? We had a corruption scandal. I get that. All right. Outside of that, you know, I'm not sure if you just because you're the new chief, that, then you get this, you know, a gift. Say, listen, you could clean everybody out and then put your people in. Which, the, which three chiefs in a row did do. Right. But I don't I don't think that's a good idea because now you've got a battery of executive command that is loyal for the wrong reasons to, to the head of the head of the department. Right. And they lose their autonomy. Right. But but at the end of the day, here's this. Let's look at the obvious and the logical. Lou Casanova got that job. That way, he got the job through politics. Exactly, to he got the job, job rather when Esserman came in, and he was the guy, right? And we all got cleaned out. Myself, Patricia, Pat, Toby Hens. We got cleaned out, and Luke Casanova came in, right? Now, so politics got turn around his fair job, play, isn't politics it? Politics doesn't get him the number right. one job. Now, to be fair to Lou, separate from legal issues, it feels bad, doesn't it, when you've given your life to a department? And somebody else comes in and they're saying, you don't get the top job that you feel you'd be great at. I mean, you were running that department. Right. You were very respected. Um, yeah. In the worst year we've had. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so you felt terrible. And I'm sure there's a moment when you say, I'm going to strike. Any human being would say, I'm going to strike back. So why didn't you sue? Why I didn't sue was because, listen, if I thought that there was something actionable and I was done wrong, um, I probably would have gone that road, although I'm not a, a big litigator to Me begin too. with. I've never filed a lawsuit. Um, but I can tell you this. What I looked at was, was, was simply this. I, you know, I got a lot of opportunities there that a lot of cops that are much better than me didn't get. I did very well by the New Haven Police Department. And being number two is a big job, be a responsibility you could sure. do. Sure. It was a great job. And at the end of the day. And Luke Casanova is very respected in New Haven for work he's done with Fairhaven, with the immigrant community. He's got a lot he can ride off on. Right. And at the end of the day, I was forty, going to be 43 years old, right? I was leaving with a pension, full benefits. You know, how much more does the city owe me? I mean, do they owe me more than that? No, they gave me a job. I worked hard at my job, but I got rewarded staying, with promotion by being. How about staying me. when the chief doesn't want you? Listen, when if the chief is like Esserman and I didn't get along from before he got in, right? Right. If if that's that dynamic is never going to work. It's never going because you know what's going to happen. He's going to be undermined at all times, or he's going to at least feel that he's undermined by me at all times, and I'm going to feel as if he's doing things that are not in the best in my best interest. Right, even if they are, if they're not, and that's going to transcend. So you think the the person should leave? I think so because listen, he's the chief. What about learning how to get along with the person? I'm not saying you should have done that there because there was no way that Dean Esterman was going to want to get along with. Right, he's a stronger person. But I've noticed other. There's in one city office. I'm not going to mention which. In which someone came in who politically was against the other people, and there was going to be a power struggle. Yeah. And there was a fight from day one with two of the members of the office, and they finally left and filed actions on both sides. And there was another person who said, I'm going to work with this person, help the person succeed. Right. I think that, listen, if, you true, if you're going to say, listen, I should be the chief of police, the first thing that has to be in your, in your makeup is a, a love for the police department, the agency, and the people there. And you want, to, you want to further that agency, do the best by that agency. The last thing you want to do is create turmoil. So listen, we know Anthony Campbell. Everybody knows Anthony Campbell in New Haven. He's not the type of guy that if you walk in and say, listen, I know you didn't make the decision. All you did was compete for the job just the way I did. You're a New Haven cop. I'm a New Haven cop. Let's try and work together. There's no possible way Anthony Campbell says, no, get out. I want my own Right guy. now, it was different with Estimate because you and he both felt like you had very different philosophies. We, and we were wasn't at a lot totally, of respect. We, right. We, but listen, with Campbell and Casanova, you could find things to disagree about, but I haven't noticed them having really different, philo- strong philosophies. I don't get a strong no, I, I don't th- difference I think philosophies with them. We were, we were all raised within the PD a certain way. We were all trained a certain way. Right? We all worked for the same people. So what we learn, we subscribe to a certain way of thinking. Uh, a guy like a Dean Esterman is a, is a change agent just to be a change agent, right? And, and so a lot of the things that we were doing in New Haven that were working were going to be changed just because, right? That's the kind of thing I didn't agree with. I couldn't get on with that. I don't think that exists now with the dynamic that's there. However, where we sit now with everything that's happened... I don't know if it's possible to go forward with the it's two It's tough of them. in the political climate in New Haven because there were some of the same kind of factions that were unleashed in that whole search process for police chief that were unleashed in the Ed Board where there are legitimate differences of opinion and agendas in the city about what's best for the city. Then there are also groups just personally asking for power. There's one guy yeah. in Boise Kimber who shows up in all these things for his own personal advancement, yeah. and he's in both of these too. So it gets messy, and it makes it hard for the individuals then. To... But that's the thing. We all have an opinion, but we elect the mayor to make these decisions. We can't, if we elect her, we can't undermine her when she makes these decisions. You have to live with them. That, that's all there is to it. But we can remind people that listen to Dateline New Haven on WNHH Radio, your home for community radio, one of the 3.5 FM live team at newhaven.org. We're talking today to John Valeca, 
former assistant chief of the New Haven Police Department, and Harry Droz about criminal justice issues in the New Haven Police Department. You know, one big thing happened in the police department is I'm hearing a lot of cops are retiring again or else even haven't been there long. This guy, Daniel Conklin, we've written about. Right. He's leaving for Westport. This, they're going to have a problem with, all, they've already had a problem with not enough cops with the experience. We're losing them to other departments. We train them, and the other departments are even willing to pay us the required fee for the training we gave these cops to steal them. We're losing them to Hamden. I know another cop is not public yet who's been like a star in his first five years, and he's loved the job, and Hamden just plucked them away. Um, we have a budget crisis we're facing New Haven. Thankfully, we're not declaring bankruptcy the way Hartford is, which somehow gave that mayor the idea he should therefore run for governor. Um, it's an aside, but, uh, but you know, we have a lot of state cutbacks coming that we're going to have to deal with. And we're also negotiating a new contract with the police. We cannot compete with suburban apartments where cops are at less risk to physical danger to keep these cops. We also do not have tons of money. What's the answer? How bad is the problem? And what's the answer? Well, the, the, the problem is, is, is very bad. And it's a very big issue, you know, at the end of the day, because listen, Every chief wants to, uh, you know, get a good cop and not pay for their training. That's that's a home run. Why wouldn't you? You know, you, the, the guys got their, their backgrounds are done, all that stuff. All that stuff costs money, right? Mm-hmm. All that stuff we have to do to lead up to put somebody in the academy costs us thousands and thousands of dollars. Not to talk about the training, which costs thousands of... If I could get a guy who after three weeks, he, he's in the field. from all that, you got someone who's been a cop for a little while, figured out how to do the job, right. and we're losing that. Like, New Haven, just aren't we just having trouble keeping yeah, people the to pay, do the, the job? Yeah, the pay is too what low. Is the pay, the pay is, it starts at $44,000, Boy, that's not bad. That's how you started the independent. <laughs> well, you know, you're at the... There are two different jobs, I think. You know. yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day... <laughs> You know, when they could make, you you talk about guys when they, they're topping out their top pay, and I, I can't remember what New Haven's is, but I believe it's in the 60s. Some of these departments are paying $30,000 more than that. Maybe you could start as a cop at 74? Some places you can. Seven. No, not start. I mean, but their top pay, right? The, the steps are different. Goes to 90. They get there faster. And there's their top pay. They don't also. have to stay 25 years. They got a better pension plan. They have better benefits. So New Haven, now you have to stay 20 if you're a younger cop. Listen, but the older cops are retired because under the old contract, they only have to stay 20, which, by the way, right. we should never be mad at cops about that. The reason... And our benefits. That, the was, re- the big, that was a big thing, too. We, the benefits changed immensely. So if you're 25 years and you retire, you don't get uh, good benefits? You get your benefit plan changed. Absolutely. That's why that's more than likely why Thad left, more than likely why Denise Blanton But you still get health care. You get health care, but you don't get the benefit plan that that was prior to that. It's a difference. It, the co-pays are more... <clears throat> they cover less. But you're still going to be able to afford to get sick. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm not telling, I'm not saying that. But the that. reason I feel like, I mean, it's a legitimate debate. Do we let cops retire after 25 years and we can't do that? Well, gee, they put their life at risk all those years. The reason we did it was because we were losing so many cops as it was years ago and because it's a tough job to go into asking them to do. So it was not the cops did anything wrong winning that, but we felt we could no longer afford it. You can't so, afford it. But the so thing what is, do we do? If we, but we also can't afford to lose all these cops. No, you can't. But the thing is this. The door is open when times were good. What's the answer to this? I'll tell you what the answer to this is. Like, it's been preached for the last decade. Reduce the workforce. Reduce, you don't need 500 cops in New Haven. I'm sorry. There is a school of thought that you do. No, you there's not. a lot of people it, on the street that I understand presence. that. More cops equals more safety, which is, which is a falsehood. It's ridiculous. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. It do, look, you drill into the numbers... That's not the case. When you count it, for people on vacation, if they get sick, I hear there are shifts when they, they only have one or two people for half the city at night. Right. Well, one or two people for half the city I haven't seen in a long time. I and mean, I would, I would about, really want somebody to come with the detail no, on those numbers. I'm talking about the, the supervisor, the patrol supervisor. 
Yeah, so what? what's the difference? One or two supervisors for a side of the city, that's all we ever had. So you think we have enough cops to see we can have fewer? Listen, I was the shift commander at one point. If you had people that were, they had a f- overtime freeze on, and if, sometimes I would be the shift commander and cover one side of the city, and there was only one other guy on the other end. Listen, it's not optimal, but at the same time, do we need 500 cops? Well, some people say you can't do community policing otherwise because it's not as efficient as You're right. So, cars. So you know what? You're going to have to gonna have to break with these walking beats that everybody loves and everybody thinks is... is how do is, the cops get to know people if they're not walking the beat? They could get to know people with the walking the beat, parking their car, right, walking around, just getting... You meet people going to calls every day. Listen... But you only meet them in the context of when they're Don't kid yourself. Listen, don't... You don't kid yourself, or anybody listening right now, don't kid yourself into thinking that the walking beat officers are out there swinging their nightstick, whistling zippity doo and shaking hands. They're not. They're doing the same thing the cops and the cars are doing. They're going to what they're supposed to do, and in the downtime, they're not running around shaking hands and kissing babies. They're not. What are they doing? They're just walking up and down their beat. That's what they're doing, walking up and down the street. That's what they're doing. So you think we should just give up this whole walking beat? The walking beat thing has been fed to this city for so long, it's almost disgusting. Everybody believes that walking beats is community policing. It is not. Community policing resides in the officer, a philosophy that the officer takes to whatever assignment he's in. You can't put an officer on a walking beat and say, so would you cop, would you cut 100 positions and then be able to afford better pay? What I would do is I would start, well, you, the union is never going to allow that, first things first, all right? So you are tied to your numbers, right? Because the, the reality of the situation, to do what I'm saying to do is not going to go over well. That means no promotions for a long time, right? It means downsizing the workforce, but we already have an allotted- But what if the, the payback is that you could make more money? Well, that's what their I'm saying. That would have to go. Way, I don't know why the union would be against that. If their own members will benefit. Well, there, there are probably a lot of reasons why. Because if the if you open the door all to that, cops, where does it end? Cops will make more money, right? But where does that's what the, I would see what the union would say was if you open the door for that. Now, where does that end? Right, right you're making you a four year contract. I don't know how much you can keep going if you well, have it set in stone with a four year contract. Well, well, you know how they start to take. That's the the union mentality. You, know, start to take, Volker, you always have going. such interesting, novel ways of looking at things. That's why I'm so. Well, you know what, you know what it comes from? It comes from years of watching police executives BS the public and saying, listen, we do community policing because we got a million walking beats. Nobody else can say that. Well, you know why nobody else can say that? died when we let some of these cops get promoted and others not get investigated listen, and cop reporters get arrested. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of things, all right? But at the end of the day, but you know why nobody does community policing like New Haven, like we say, with all these walking beats? Because the chief gets his budget and he says, Look at this overtime is through the roof. I get called in to see the alders, and they the rip you a whole. walking beats is that you stop small problems becoming big problems by that's, really being a fabric of the neighborhood. All right. Okay, that's good. That's straight from a textbook. I get it, and it makes total sense and all that kind of stuff. But you can do that from a vehicle. If you detail these guys to park in an area, walk around, they cover more space, they see more people, right? And like you said, they become part of the fabric if the cop wants to. If the cop doesn't want to, he's hiding out in a store. Anyway. Anywhere. And with, but he's a community-based officer as opposed to the guy who's, who's in a 9-11 no, no, car. I'm noticing the air quotes, John Valeca. Right. But, but this is what I mean. It's like we sit there as patrol guys and we're listening to this and we just shake our head because the, whoever the chief is at the time is feeding this out there and the whole community is sitting there shaking their head like, this is great. This guy's the best Harry chief. Jones, any reactions? <laughs> well... I always thought, for me, the walking beats are cops, especially these days. They're, they're sitting ducks. 
But that hasn't happened. We right? haven't had a single cop shot being a walking cop. Well, you know, for me, they that's are. Theory, if, if it ever, well, that's how I see it. We've and had then 20 the uni- years in New Haven. Hasn't then the union once. isn't going to give up positions, right? Why would the union, you say, why, why can't the, we go to them and say you're going to But you're saying, why would the union people, do it? I want to pay your people more money. And I don't want to by hire getting people, rid of but not firing hundred of your people. You're not firing them. You have attrition, right? Right. So I mean, you don't have a single member voting it's against the be, union president. It's going to be costly. It's going to be costly. You're not just going to give. You're not going to have to give raises. You're going to have to give raises. You're going to. You're going to have to give pension enhancements. You're going to have to give medical enhancements. So you're right? going to have to cut the. So you're going to have to what? Cut twenty percent of the um or more of the force. I think personally, I think that that department could run between three and three ten instead of five hundred. Yes. Would that be enough wow. of a cut? To pay pensions and salary that are competitive with the suburbs, I believe so. At least get you starting started to go in that area. But I'm going to tell you this: the union won't go for it. Yeah. All right. The union, the you, and listen, and rightfully so, because I get where they're protect, going. But it protects the current members. It protects the current members, but the That's thought process will be is is if we open the door to this, it's going to be the same thing over and over and over, right? So, but if no one's ever going to be fired, but listen, the union has got to get the buy-in from the rank and file. Right, right. Rank and file says, "We're gonna give you all a raise." What do you think? Well, they're not going to be able to give them all a raise right away. This is going to be a process. Right, we want to build it in over three, four right? years as we have attrition. So cops are kind of distrustful. I'm going to say, "Whoa, you want to cut that now?" But I'm not seeing any money from that. I'm going to take your word that in five years from now you're going to give me a raise. Well, don't you have some positions that are not currently filled that you say we won't fill? Yeah, you can do that. You could, you know, you could probably civilianize some positions too to to move some guys back into the unions. The, don't like that. You know, that? The union hates civilianizing positions. Well, that's because they don't like to give up positions. And th- listen, and that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to protect those positions. Now, are you hearing anything, John Valleca, about the body cameras? So now the body cameras are here. New Haven was not a leader in this. Other departments had it first. Right. But we've gotten body cameras for everyone now, and they've started wearing them. What are you hearing? It's been the first few weeks. You know, I really haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything. I don't, personally, I don't think the cops mind those, to be, to be honest with you. But I haven't heard anything at all, you know? Mm-hmm. They I were well-received that nobody gave... I heard that another, I heard nobody that another pit bull went out of control, mauled an 11-year-old boy in the hospital the other yeah. day. We have fierce debate on that, both in the border alders and on the side of the independents. Some people feel like it's very discriminatory that we talk about pit bulls. Other people say they do in the majority of these uh, attacks. But anyway, violent dogs, should there be other... Do we need new laws in terms of responsibility to the owners? Or do we have laws you just need better enforcement? What do you think? We probably have. We probably need better enforcement. It's not. It's not much we do with that, to be honest with you. To to um, like an, an intervention kind of thing before those things happen. Any thoughts, Harry? On pitbulls? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Asking the wrong guy, I think. Well, he's no. Well, sort of well, for me, they just pitbull. need to be. A lot of people. You walk around. These pitbulls are loose. Right. All right. They're not on a chain. And. Unless you go around giving people tickets for that. What about doing that? You have to do it. Mm-hmm. You have to be what more aggressive. What do you think, John? Should these either walking or driving that. cops be, they see a pit bull on loose, should they go try to find the owner and give them a... They do. The, the thing is, you know, that's something that animal control takes care of. And, you know, I can remember being a patrol officer and seeing a, a loose pit bull and trying to stay with it in my car. Or walk, you know, you don't want to walk next to it because, you know... You make it you a can't say I'm a police officer. Here's my badge. Yeah, they don't listen. They they oh, they with their, that's they're very with these yeah. they're, they're very non-compliant, very disrespectful. Easy to pull yeah. them over. Even but yeah, cops, you yeah. know, listen. I worked, you know, in the hill in the '90s. There were packs and packs of these dogs, you know, just free roaming around. So we try to take it up as best we can, right? But um, you know, that's something we got to call animal control for. 
And we're doing that on WNETH Radio, 103.5 FM. Just a few minutes left, John. There was a big decision made. The, there's a new president who gets to pick his U.S. attorneys. U.S. attorney is very important. Top prosecutor for federal crimes in the state. Works very closely with police department. While you were at the police department, we had began this golden age of cooperation. And correct me if I'm not sure. Yeah. Right? Between local cops and state and federal cops where right. they share information on the small number of people who are responsible for most crimes. Yeah. And have had these big, successful... Um, busts of people involved in drug and gangs. And we were worried things might change because of a very hard right stated agenda of the new attorney general. But he has made a practice of not bringing in the way Republicans and Democrats have usually done in the past, their political appointees. He's made a practice of getting number two people in existing departments who have been career prosecutors, right. which was really a relief to everybody. I wonder if you felt the same way. So he named John Durham to be the new U.S. attorney in New Haven. In Connecticut here, New Haven office, which I heard the cops were happy. And you had Democratic senators who are always against the Justice Department and Trump administration actually recommended this guy. Right. It does have to be a Republican, but he's completely non-ideological. He's been part of an office for decades that is equal-handedly, with equal hand, prosecuted Democrat and Republican politicians for corruption. Right. They've gone after finance, financial fraud at the highest levels in addition to drug gangs. Did you have that same reaction? Why or why not? What does this mean? Yeah, yeah, I know John Durham. He's a very good man. I mean, I think that that's why you, you, you got such a bipartisan support was that he's not, you know, the political affiliation with him it doesn't mean a whole lot. He's he's just a prosecutor, and he's and he's a damn good one, to be quite honest with you. As far as the um, the working with the federal and the state, we've always done that in New Haven. We've always been a pretty pretty good example I'm of that. I'm told, though, that the relationship was at its highest point since 2011 when you started Operation Longevity and had some of these busts. Right. Well, what happened, well, we were good, all right, so we started, we, we had a good relationship with them in, in 2000, 2001, 2002 with uh, Time's Up, right? And then what, what broke it down really was the corruption scandal because, as you know, the federal authorities investigated that. When the that, feds we are the investigating your detectives for corruption, it's kind of hard to... Right, so that kind, of, that kind of broke ties. And when I took over narcotics, that was one, Chief Lewis, that was one of the things that he said make, you have to make a priority is building back up these relationships. And we did. And you know we got along very well. And we put together you know bloodline. We put together R two. Now we put together longevity. And outside of the smaller wiretaps that they work with the federal authorities on too. But John Durham, if you don't remember, he um, prosecuted Arnold Bell for the, the federally for the Fumiati shooting. He shot the cop in the face. Right. He's he's a good guy. He's a very good guy. Durham. Yeah. Absolutely. So good news for the U.S. Attorney. Absolutely for for the police department, for the community, everybody. All right. Let's go. Kudos to the Trump administration. For yeah. Making a good picking move. Picking experience and talent over politics. Making Connecticut great again. Making Connecticut great again. We'll leave that with a <laughs> Make little... Make America great. John, John and I might have a few air quotes there, but I think there's something we can all yeah. agree on. So thanks for joining us. Hey, one last question. Um, Marcus Pack in a, a debate in the mayoral campaign this fall suggested we go to a hybrid police commission. Instead of having the mayor appoint people, have half of it be elected. We made that change with the Board of Ed. Yeah. So the last two years, we had a very different board of ed do you think that's the way we should go police commission should it operate the way the board of education has been operating well i mean i don't want to use board of education for an example oh, that's the but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah i don't think that would hurt i don't think that would hurt so you think it'd be good yeah i think it would so good, you think yeah. bring good change yeah. to the board of ed since sure. you start elected two of the people i think yeah and i think it would be be good for the police department too it probably maybe you know invigorate the, the commission all right well i've been invigorated by this discussion i always am <laughs> john valeca the resident policing expert and criminal justice expert on WNHH Radio. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, and Harry Tros. It's always great to have you switch chairs from running the whole show to offering your two cents. It's fun. All right. Well, it's always <laughs> fun to have you. Thanks, a special 
Thanks to Yellow Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free, folks. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.